Hello, good morning, good day, good whatever, wherever you are. My name is Cheryl Sutherland and I'm super, super, super excited to be here as per usual with Navigating Mindfulness. And we are always here talking about how to navigate some of the obstacles that come with building your business and doing it in a way that supports you, that supports all the people around you and really supports your higher self, your potential, and just doing amazing things and taking care of yourself at the same time. Um, as per usual, <laughs> my name is Cheryl Sutherland. I'm the founder of Please Notes Goods, this amazing line of affirmation-filled goods. I also do brand strategy work. And then, you know, I do a dibble-dabble, dibble-dabble with a little bit of speaking and such at the side. No, actually, I really love it. And that's going to be my primary source of income. <laughs> Speak into existence. I'm also here with my gorgeous, amazing, fantastic, ravishing co-host, the yes. one and only. The way you rolled your eyes, <laughs> I'm just like, really? Thank you. I gracefully received. I mean, received. your hair is everything, but um, the one and only Lisa McHale, uh, the founder of multiple businesses as well, really focusing on supporting other businesses in taking care of their customers and their customer service aspects and just making things easier. Lisa, Thank you, Cheryl, my gorgeous, delicious. She's awesome, right? This is, <laughs> she makes everything so much fun. High vibrating, definitely. Um, thank you. So yes, I do own a couple of brands. Elias does virtual assistance and Delegate Wisely Consulting does tech stuff and lifestyle releasing 100 and, and just getting rid of a lot of this extra weight I've been carrying for a few years. So I love working with Cheryl. We're definitely, um, spinning off of our personal development, uh, professional development journey together. We work together. We're currently working together on a lot of stuff. And today is a really, really sensitive, I think, topic that's been having a lot of play lately. And it just came up and I was like, let's just hit record and, and yeah. go from there. Um, so I'm not going to try and bring the vibe down, but like, let's talk about what is happening and in, in navigating mindfulness while building business in the area of Cheryl. In the area of Cheryl, hey? No, not the area of Cheryl, but oh my gosh, that is so awful. I know the area of Cheryl. No, we're no, not. No, 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 no. I was like asking how you're going to label it because I know there's a, a, a media friendly term for diversity. I mean, let's be inclusion. honest. I mean, I think the most, um, the easiest thing and the most authentic thing we could do is just broach it and how we feel like it's it's meant to be called. So some people call it diversity and inclusion work. Some people call it equality work. Some people call it um, really like, and, and taking it that next step, anti-racism and anti-black racism, like having those conversations about how prejudices, how biases, really affect a lot of people when they're building their business. So it's very interesting. Um, and again, we were having a lovely little conversation. We always have little, little um, uh, get togethers before we have conversations. And basically there's an, um, what kind of sparked this was there was an incident where I was on a Zoom call with someone with a, a group of people and it, there's probably going to be about like 30, 40 people on this call. And um, somebody had made an offhand comment about um, myself and my crazy hair. Now, because I have had the opportunity to do a plethora of anti-racism work, I've been doing a lot of speaking about it, hosting a lot of workshops, like all these sort of things, it really supported me 
in being able to just off the cuff, being able to retort back with, well, what's so crazy about it? And then at that moment, that person actually just put their head down that I don't know if they heard me or if they did hear me, they pretended that they didn't hear me, but like, there was never an apology. There was never a conversation about like, Hey, I realized what I said was not cool. And it was a little bit disheartening because, um, I feel like the, in my experience, there's only been one other time that people, somebody has been like, Oh, Cheryl, you're crazy hair versus my gosh, your hair is amazing. It's so cool. It's so big, especially when wearing my natural hair. Now, um, I will throw in the caveat that as a black woman living in North America, it's only really been in the last mm, five, five to seven years that I've actually accepted wearing my natural hair out. Before that, it was always straightened, relaxed in a perm, in a weave, all that sort of stuff. So when there's, uh, when I tell you that it's very, uh, a very sensitive subject when it comes to black women, colorism, of course, when it comes to um, just like these horrific beauty standards that we have, thanks to colonialism, uh, that when I'm wearing my natural hair out, I like, it's an extra level of sensitivity, let's be honest, right? So, um, I was able to retort back from that conversation with, oh, again, what's so crazy about that? And again, they didn't say anything, you know, kind of just put their head down, et cetera, et cetera. And when I was in another arena that was full of personal development people, I think it was probably the first year that I had my hair out naturally. And somebody's like, oh, that girl that was on stage you with the crazy hair. I'm like, please don't call my hair crazy. This is the way that my hair grows. It's like, you've never seen super curly hair before. Like really, like what is the problem here? Like, I don't understand it. If I came up to you and was like, oh, your eyeballs are crazy. Just like, no, this is just my eyes. This is how my face looks. Like how, how would you receive that? And how are you expecting me to receive that? Right? So let's have a conversation about um, not only the way that people perceive people of color or people that are different from them, but also the way they project who they believe them to be as a result of how they present in the world. And I think that this is important, right? Like we were, we were talking a little bit about like excluding people based on X, Y, and Z. We were talking about including people based on X, Y, and Z. Sometimes it's about race. Sometimes it's about being a woman, like your gender, um, how you choose to show up in the world, how you choose to dress. And let's break down a lot of these, I guess, barriers to having an inclusive life, but having a very fulfilling life, right? Like what perceptions are we walking around with that have blocked our blessings? You know, even when it comes to being in business, like there's a lot of times when people are like, oh, we don't have enough black speakers. There's not a lot of black speakers that speak on this subject. Now, let me tell you, there's a plethora of speakers that speak on a lot of things and they're of all races and they're of all ethnicities, all backgrounds. However, are you allowing your biases to block you from finding those people? Is this not, if this is not within your circle of influence, if this is not within your network, then it just shows you that you have an opportunity 
to go outside of where you normally play and have those conversations and ask and like really open up your circle. Um, it's funny. I was actually, <laughs> we were talking about dating as per usual, cause Cheryl's not on the hunt. Cheryl's allowing good things to come into fruition for her. However, one of the things that I notice is that like, if, as I'm looking at people's dating profiles, if they don't have like a mix of people, like depending on like what color, or what background they're at, like if they don't have like a, a like, let's say I see like this delicious white man, I'm like, oh, hey, but if all of their pictures are like with like a bunch of like white bros, that makes me really nervous. And I'm like, I'm just not gonna, I'm just gonna take a step back from this, right? So like, like, why are we not opening up our circles? And how can we open up our circles to allow business, commerce, all these things to grow? And then also have like a very inclusive, well-rounded life. That was, that was must feel, I guess. That, that went on for a little long. Lisa, what do you think about this? Well, a lot of stuff came up. Like I, you know, when, when we were talking earlier, I had said to her that um, I had once said that I don't feel that I have been a victim of or, or that this has happened to me. And while you were talking, I was like, oh, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. My own, like, so I thank you for commenting on the hair. So kudos to the lady who makes this happen. <laughs> who is anonymous um but um this is not my regular hair I think we've done episodes before where it's like literally it's very curly it's not normal in my culture for somebody to have this kind of hair mm. and when I was growing up my family would call me bruja like the older people because everybody would like have slick black hair and mine was like literally kinky or frizzy and it would change so what did bruja mean like which that's what I thought, but <laughs> right. So <laughs> I'm like, I'm used to that coming from Spanish, but like with your, right. I was like, oh, what was the translation? Wow. Right. And so, un like, not like unconsciously, I didn't even realize like the energy that they were putting onto me as a as a kid that I just came out with curly hair, right? Like that is genetics, and so. Um, I don't know if I ever really felt that like I was in school and the comments that I have is like, you know, thank you. My hair is whatever today, but I think my hair is just as nice the other way too. Like, it's like what it looks like. And, and so what that translated to me after you were talking, I love how you work through it and you come from like this uncomfortable, lower vibing space and you're able to work through it so fast and just get to like what really matters and why we're here today. And so um, the value of this awareness and to be able to label it as a language issue, I think is where the inclusion glue is really going to happen, right? So I had a very similar type of conversation where all I was hearing was the word challenge, challenge, challenge. And I was like, I need to get off this phone. And we actually looked up the literal meaning of challenge, um, the Latin meaning, like we went right to the core of it. And I was like, because really what they were trying to say was the word obstacle and that resonated with me better and so my awareness is the language that we use has a direct impact on how we are able to shift and and if we're building business and we want to do it fast and we want to do it with a certain value system it has to come together in the language and i think that will translate in the vibe so you're not getting the heads that are down you're you're getting people who are empowered who can speak their truth and work through stuff Mm -hmm. I'm excited about what this is going to actually produce for people because it is such a heavy topic. It is a heavy topic for a lot of people. And again, just not even being aware that it happened to you when you were really young. My hair yeah. started to kink when I was, I think, seven. 
No, I was born with this hair. I always had gorgeous, really thick, super curly. If you're into hair typing, if you understand hair typing, it quantifies as being a 4C. Mm-hmm. So it's one of the curliest hair types. Tight, tight. Yeah. And, um, and it's very interesting because I feel like when you say that this is a heavy topic, I don't feel like it's a heavy topic. I feel like it's a topic that um, isn't, isn't allowed to see the light as much. Like we're not having conversations, therefore it becomes a heavy topic. Do you know what I mean? Just like when we talk about how um, with men, um, allowing them to have conversations about their mental health or even, you know, just being attacked, being, you know, sexually assaulted, all these sort of things. It's, it's not, it's taboo or it's a heavy topic because nobody's allowing them to have these conversations. One thing that I was really, really excited about or that I just noticed is um, I'm not too sure if you heard about Elliot Page. So um, for somebody that mentioned that to me, is that Ellie Page, a, a Canadian actor that declared? Yeah, Elliot okay. Page, um, who's who used to be known as Ellen Page, um, has uh, came out as a trans, came out as transgender and would like to be known as him, they for their pronouns. And the way that it was just accepted, it's just like, hey guys, this is what's happening. And everyone's like, cool, awesome, I'm proud of you. Versus a lot of beforehand, it used to be like a lot of like back and forth or like, who is this person? Like, I'm confused. Just uh, actually just pe- see people seeing like, oh, well, I, I see this picture and like everybody keeps talking about Elliot Page, but this looks like Ellen Page. Like, does she, does she have a brother? And she's like, no this is what this is. And this was happening. And then it's like, Oh, I didn't know. Awesome. Congratulations. Like just seeing that transformation and that acceptance where previously, even like five years ago, having a conversation about somebody coming out as transgender, it was like this whole crazy thing. Like it doesn't like, and I think the more we speak about it, the more stereotypes that we break down, the easier it is for people to accept. So when it comes to racism, when it comes to anti-black racism, when it comes to colorism, having these conversations about not only what it is how, and, and the impact that it's had on people is super, super important, right? Um, so I know we've spoken multiple times about, and not like offline, about the effects that you've seen for people in your life. Now you yourself have said like that you never really experienced racism or othering because of like your skin color or your hair other than, you know, like the Bruja comments. However, some of the people in your life have had that and just that awakening of like, oh, this is the experience that some people have had. Now, the, the thing that I've noticed for myself is that um, in, you know, of course, on the internet and all those different places that some people will be able to see or understand that their perception of what reality is, is very different from how another person perceives reality. And then some people aren't open to, and they're like, no, you're making this up. Like that doesn't make sense, et cetera, et cetera. So for you, when, um, when your friend was first having conversation with you about the experiences that he's had as being a black male, being profiled, being stopped, having the, like, you know, like just, you know, having a different relationship with police and law enforcement than you would have. Um, what do you like, how was your experience with that? Because I know that you came through some sort of awakening as well with that. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I just want to address the word heavy. You're right. Like, it, it doesn't need to be heavy. I think 
maybe the world, I'm still not sure what the word, the word is, but I, I definitely want to address perhaps loaded. Loaded is a good one. Um, yeah, maybe loaded because hmm. it doesn't have to be burdensome. I think it's just, we, we have to work through it. Right. But being heavy, you can still cut weight. Um, it, it's been, it, it's been, a, I, I think it's, <laughs> it's, so it's been about three or four weeks now since this incident happened. And a friend of mine was uh, racially profiled and, you know, coming off of what happened over the summer and, and just everything, the highlights on diversity and inclusion and racism. And um, my daughter is also biracial, right? So for those of you who don't know, she's, she is biracial. And so, I, I mean, it really rocked me at a different level this time because it was very close to home. Um, and I started talking to everyone in my circles about it. You know, what is your thought on this? And of course my daughter would come up right? And they were like, what are you going to do? Um, so it impacted very many different parts of my life. Um, it left me understanding that people in general, based on their skin color, or their experiences in life, will have a perception or an emotion or an expectation or even an outright fear of what is going to happen as soon as the cop comes to the door, right? And like my understanding, my whole life has been to serve and protect. And yes, we all know in different countries, even in our backyard, they're gonna be people who abuse their power. But to that be the overarching thing was a huge awakening for me. And so as the weeks passed and I talked to more people and I did my own research, like I didn't even really know that there was like papers being written about, um, how racism impacts every area. Like not to sound like, I don't know. Yes, I understand that, but how it leaves people feeling like that compassion or the empathy or that connection. And so it really has changed the way that I, I think behave and the way that I think and the way that I make my decisions. And it, because it has allowed me to connect with people at a different level, right? And to have that conversation. Yeah. And I want to touch on one thing, because of course, we're always bringing it back to how we're building our businesses. So mm -hmm. there's been a lot of things that will come out, like, um, especially during like the summer and the late fall, where a lot of businesses and like, you know, bigger organizations were coming out with grants or special projects or doing things to support specifically black business owners, because um, it really came to light the differences that um, Black business owners and the different opportunities, the different uh, obstacles, I guess, or different challenges that have been around for Black business owners versus those who present as lighter skinned or um, for those that have had the opportunity to uh, have and amass generational wealth, right? So a little bit differently. And then, and while we're on that subject, like if you uh, want to learn more, there's a anti-racism unlearning library that I do have that I'll drop in the show notes that you can take a look at, um, with some different books and terms and, and podcasts and such as well. Um, but when we're talking about generational wealth, we're looking at redlining, we're looking at like, um, all these different, things like people didn't know about black wall street the tulsa massacre like even when it came down to um manhattan beach in california that was originally owned by a black family and then they got driven off and then 
now it's a multi-million dollar space that is not owned by them anymore, right? So there's all these different things that really fall into place. But when it comes to businesses and now people are recognizing, wow, there's a huge disparity. Even the government of Canada just came out saying like that they were going to be doing X, Y, and Z to support black business owners. And there was like, well, why not all businesses? And um, like, this isn't, this isn't fair. Like what about other minorities, et cetera, et cetera. Um, how do you feel like that is going to support, I guess, entrepreneurs of color? And then I also want to take a look at why do you feel like, or why do you think that there's so many people that are in an uproar about people of color getting this additional support, specifically Black people? Loaded question. <laughs> Loaded question. I don't normally share my opinions on these things because it is loaded and I and I don't know. Um, but if you're close enough to me, which is generally anyone that I work with, they kind of know where I stand with this. And also personally, again, my daughter is biracial. Um, so I'm going to share a couple of lead in things first. One, when Black Lives Matter started, we had a conversation, my daughter and I, about her participating in some of these videos where children of color were, or black, I don't know, again, whatever the appropriate term is, where she would hold up a sign um, in a video with other children to, to connect, I think, um, my culture with the black culture. And they came up with this Filipina X kind of thing, right? And um, she declined because she currently still identifies as being biracial. She's like, I'm not only this. And I personally really love that about her. I got a lot of backlash um, because of the way the world will perceive her. And I struggle to say this because I'm like, how is the world gonna perceive her? Like, isn't it more important about how she perceives herself? And I think this is extremely transferable in business, right? Like just run your business and it will do well. Um, but if you're, if you're getting support from the government, it's because the government has identified that you need support. If you feel that you need support, go figure out a way to get support, right? And, and I'm not saying no to protesting and I'm not saying no to, um, sometimes not everything is fair, but there is a reason generationally, systemically, when you say redlining, I know what that means. Maybe you can give a better definition later, but this is sort of like tipping the scale to make things a little bit more equal. I know that this exists because it happened when I was younger. My brother is somewhere between my shade and your shade of skin color. I got different treatment. And I was a kid, my brother is like four years younger than me. And I knew that it was wrong back then. I'd be like, but he's my brother, doesn't he get like, so even then you instinctively know. So if the goal is to instinctively have everybody be equal and for people to just be who they are and not associate with, well, you're gonna look at me as being black. I think that's really special and unique to be able to have in this day and age. The reality though, is that everybody does immediately look at your hair, look at your skin, and they make a subconscious decision on how to spend their money. Mm -hmm. Right? When, you, when I look at models, they have changed over the years. And you're right, it's only been the last five years. Like I went to a choir singing thing last year and there was like rainbows in church. That was not allowed when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. Right? So times are changing. And for that to happen, structures like the government need to support 
whoever it is that they need to support, whether, and it, if they're basing it on culture or, or the skin color, then it is what it is. If you want to make a change, then go through the same channels and make the change. Yeah. I right? feel like people just kind of forget that, you know, they're like, oh, slavery was so long ago. And it's really not, it was less like it lasted 300 over 300 years and even though you know we were here in Canada there were still slaves in Canada like don't forget about that Canada's not that great um it's great I'm like I appreciate living here however I see just the there's still ripple effects right like when people are treated as property or thought to be lesser than or then there was so much propaganda that went on about like the way that we learn, the way that we like live our lives, like our internal organs, all these different things. Like I even like, there's even things that are still saying that in medical professions that, uh, that people of color um, have like a higher pain tolerance, which is a complete lie, right? Like all these different things really fall into place when it comes to this different treatment. And the more that we have these conversations, the easier it's going to be for us to um, start to dissolve these differences. And then I think just, it's kind of, it reminds me of what Germany did in regards to the Nazis after it was all, I don't want to say it's all done, but after like the war and everything where Germany publicly denounced Nazis, um, racism, all of these different things. If you were caught saying X, Y, and Z, it's like, this is a very clear stance that no, and we apologize for allowing this to happen. And this is what we're gonna do moving forward. And I think that that's a very clear indicator of what they've decided to choose into and that we have an opportunity for more countries to say, you know what, especially those that um, either were the source of or founded and taken over because of uh, colonialism to have that conversation of, yo, this was messed up. Like, this is how we were founded. And it wasn't like now it's not kosher. Like it was not good even at that time. Like people talk about Columbus. There's a whole reason that Columbus Day is being kiboshed in in favor of Indigenous Peoples Day. And having that conversation of like, no, like he was actually a horrible man that did horrible things to people. And like, but now we know, or or now that you know, even though it's always been out there, like we have the opportunity to treat our indigenous people differently. We have the opportunity to treat um, Asian Americans and Asian Canadians differently, especially after like the war that like they were interned and like a whole bunch of their stuff got like taken away and they were sent back to Japan. And like, it's, it's ridiculous the amount of things that were done to people based on their skin color. And I think it's ridiculous to think that there's not gonna have to be things put in place to rectify and adjust because those things have a ripple effect and a lasting effect as well. I mean, people also forget that the conversations that we've always had around the police, let's say, for example, is supposed to be a public institution that's here to serve and protect everyone. However, it was started uh, to catch runaway slaves. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I didn't know that. I actually didn't know that. In America, that's, that's kind of like where that kind of started. And so uh, when we're taking a look at that, how how does that affect us? And even when it comes to holding other police officers accountable, like there's, there's it's really, really difficult. And then um, there's actually this amazing documentary that came out and it's about Calgary, which is my hometown in, in Alberta. 
um, just talking about uh, the horrific acts of the police force that's there and the lack of accountability and just how they continue to treat people of color there. And the officer or one of the officers that were mentioned in there actually um, is suing them. And then therefore the film is not allowed to go through even though like, this is all factual. This is based on events. Like this has all been, you know, written down. Even when it comes to our First Nations and our indigenous people, like are, are those biases playing to how you're serving them in your business? And then also when you're thinking about going into business with someone, when you see somebody and they are black, they are Asian, they're indigenous, they're white, whatever, you're having this conversation in your head based through those filters, right? So like, what is the perception that you have of this person? If you're looking at an accountant and you're looking at like a black guy versus an Indian guy versus an Asian guy, like what are the first things that are popping up for you? And a lot of these stereotypes, a lot of these biases are completely untrue and most of them are completely untrue. However, understanding that these do play a part in your decision-making process is key. And it's not that it's like you recognizing it, it's not bad. It's just what you've been told and what you've been taught. And now you have the opportunity to change how you feel about that and change the way you operate because you've decided that you want that to be different. So go ahead. I was going to say two things. One, I love Canada. Like, I don't know the history or whatever, but I love Canada. I, 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 like, I think we're very fortunate to live here. Um, and I don't know the history the way that you do. Right. But if I, if I, or not even, but when I look at right now, I'm grateful that we're able to have this conversation because I have been very quiet about it up until now. And you're really probably the best person to because you're always taking stuff out. This is so important in business because in our business, what matters is how you sound, right? And then that's the competency. Like depending on your business, you need to focus on what's going to matter for your business and for it to grow. Your hair looks great, girl. Um, so this all started because of how one might feel. And, and I know that we've gone into history. However, on a go forward, what is the solution? So in, in the case of my friend and being pulled over um, and, and the profiling, we are going through the system, right? So how does one make change? So if you are a Black business owner, Cheryl's going to, are you sharing some of the resources for where people can get support if they um, if they are a black business owner or where do you get that stuff? And then. Um, they've been just been rolling it out. So mm -hmm. I actually don't have any of that. Oh no, but you have the list for how to be more inclusive, which is yeah, just some learning materials. Right. And so that's kind of where I am right now. I'm totally in research mode. And, and as you can see from one minute, I'm like, no, I didn't experience it to like all of a sudden she's talking and I'm like, oh my gosh, I did. And I think it is again, the awareness and then the labeling of what it is. Am I not being inclusive? Am I not being compassionate? Am I not being conscious of the vibration of me calling somebody crazy as opposed to, oh, it's gorgeous. Very different. Mm -hmm. right? Like how it lands and how it leaves somebody. And I think when you think about business and customer service being something that we all strive for in all the business that we own, how you leave somebody feeling matters, mm -hmm. right? And like, how do we connect a loaded topic and make it like, how do we shift immediately so that in our businesses, we're building them differently, 
And then that's how we as business people can spread awareness and labeling and experiencing and letting go of the stuff that's really not serving us anymore. Yeah. I feel like there's such an opportunity to take a look at how, who are we serving? So um, there's been multiple times where we'll see something that'll come out and people will say like, oh my gosh, this is brand new. I've never seen it before, but black people or like people of a certain ethnic group have been doing it for years. Let's say for example, um, one of my favorite ones has been a hair bonnet. So for those that are not familiar, black people or black women specifically tend to wrap their hair at night or like put something on it because our hair is so precious. It's super, super fragile. So like when you sleep at night, it can break, it can like get really dry, all these different things. So if you've gone to like a black beauty supply store, we've had bonnets for like mm, way back until I don't know how far along, like forever. And then there was this white woman who was probably very well-meaning was like, oh my gosh, let's wrap our hair at night. I'm like, oh, I just, I created something brand new, which is this bonnet. And everyone's all like, but wait a second. And of course it had a different name, but, um, but she was just like, yeah, look what I made. And everyone's like, yeah, no, we, we've been doing that, but you just didn't know. And I think that's the big thing is like, let's go and do some research. Like, has anybody created these sort of things before? Yes, they have been. So even like paying homage to, or like lifting up or having conversations with, um, you know, different communities and seeing how we can serve them. Um, especially when it comes to hair care, that's always been like a, a very th big thing with black people where, you know, parts of the culture will be taking out. Like I remember back in the day, having a wig was looked down upon. Um, and then people now that, you know, white people are, are primarily wearing wigs and weaves. It's like, yeah, it's cool. It's okay. It's, it's accepted now. Right. So how are we allowing parts of our culture or how are we allowing who we are authentically to be okay um, without it having to be like how without it having to be a trend or having how how can it be okay and accepted and exalted without having to be popularized by mainstream or white culture um, so when it comes to building your businesses taking a look at diverse groups because we know about the whole Blockbuster versus Netflix situation, right? So Blockbuster had an opportunity to buy Netflix. This is the next level of innovation. And a lot of innovation comes from diverse voices and minority groups and, you know, secular, not secular, but like um, uh, under supported groups. And so Blockbuster had the opportunity to buy Netflix was like, no, that's dumb and then look at them now, right? So where can we think about going to these diverse groups of people, actually listening and saying, what is it that you need? And then providing that service. Cause when we're coming from that space, then we're able to not only serve that, that amazing group of people, we have that brand loyalty as well. And then it's also going to pour into mainstream. So it's kind of like, I hate to use this term, but it's kind of like Drake. Drake does a really great job of um, going into different places and loving on their music and then like creating something and people within that music group love them. And it also makes it a little bit more mainstream. It makes it so people understand it. Like um, Big Frida, what she, what he did there, um, he was like really doing a, um, 
going to the UK and getting into the grime scene and all that sort of stuff. And then pulling that and people are like, whoa, this is cool. And everyone's all in the UK is like, yeah, we've been doing this, right? So it's kind of a double-edged sword there, but there's such an amazing opportunity to serve these underserved markets by actually going in saying, how do I support you? Coming in with that service mentality and providing quality service in that space. So I wonder, what do you feel like as a person of color, because obviously you identify as being a person of color, um, is an opportunity that you feel is underutilized or overlooked um, that we might be able to support other people? You know, I don't, the first thing that has always popped into my mind is business, right? Like when I think about generational wealth, I think people need to understand how the system works. Like I, I, I think that understanding how system works allows you to, to navigate through them and make change, right? And so I think it starts with education, the, the work that we met through in terms of personal and professional development um, is one. And then you can decide what it is that you really want to do and how you want to do it. So for me, my choice has always been business. Like if you need support in this arena, this is where I like not necessarily zone of genius, like you would say, but I'm competent in this space. So I think if everyone comes to the table to do what they're competent in and shine, that's probably the biggest thing. I, I don't know how to answer your question because I never really thought about under service, like how we have lived our life. I Yeah. I didn't feel like outside of the personal and professional development, like again, this stuff of being called Bruja when I was younger and knowing that it was not good, knowing that it didn't feel good and now dissecting it to the point where I can talk about it on a public forum and like whatever family, like this is the truth and, and we all know it, but it, it happens in my own family. So I think you just have to be about it. You have to be about being diverse open or open to diversity or being inclusive and and willing to admit when you just haven't been and there was a bias there mm, that's delicious I, that's it I, I and perform in your zone of genius and that might change over time right mm -hmm. so I love what you did say in the very beginning though that it needs to be a conversation mm -hmm. there's that's really the only way to unpack um, all of the feelings. Cause I've got to tell you, you went through a lot of things in this one conversation. Um, and, and I'm grateful for it because at least I now have more understanding of how your experience is different from mine. And now my ear is a little bit more open to other opportunities. And because you've asked the question, I will now be more conscious of it. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I'm in, I'm in a very tunnel vision moment to moment. Um, and that's kind of what happened when that incident with my friend happened. It kind of like opened up this whole whole thing that I wasn't even aware of. And, and still, I remain to like, as it pertains to my daughter, I'm going to support her and do whatever she wants. Yeah. It does, that doesn't change. That, in, that type of support and that type of, um, and again, I'm not a perfect parent because we all know ugly mom exists. Um, uh, but if I can translate that into where I work, and I think... I think we do an okay job with that. I know there's room for improvement and it's conversations like this that will get us there, mm -hmm. right? Um, I'm sure it exists in schools. I'm sure I'm sure it exists in, in everything that we do. And it's, again, just everyone owning that part of themselves to, to be 
open to diversity, inclusive, and just hypersensitive to how we're being to one another, the words yeah. that we're using, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like there's such an amazing opportunity here because the thing that I keep hearing is people just don't want to do this wrong. And if you're learning something, there's no way to do it wrong. You're going to go in there and you're going to do your best. And then if it's just like you need a tweak or adjustment, being open to that feedback, because the thing is like, you're like, this is, especially if it's something new, there's a lot of people that I like have conversations with. They're like, oh, I feel guilty. I didn't know this. I'm like, well, don't feel guilty. Just do something like right. do what feels in alignment for you. Right. So for me, a, a delicious opportunity that I've seen, especially since I operate very much in, so in the wellness space is like, we're going to different events. We are like, especially now that they're online, like we're having different speakers and a lot of them and a lot of these panels and a lot of these speakers and a lot of these workshops, you see the lineup of like 20, 30, 40, 50, some odd speakers and where are like, there's no melon in there whatsoever. Right. So like being able to have those conversations of, I know that this is a problem. And I don't think I have the resources or the network to support me in fixing this problem and going to people and being like, Hey, I, I don't have any people of color that I know. I don't have any people of color that, um, I think would be, uh, a good fit for this event. Do you know someone, or could you put me in touch with someone? And that's totally fine. And then like, the thing is like, again, because of redlining, because of like where we grew up and stuff like that, that you might have lived, um, within just one group of like ethnicity and that's that's totally fine now it's like oh i have an opportunity to grow in this way and choosing to step into that um also one thing that i will say that's very interesting when it comes to diversity inclusion anti-racism work especially if you're asking for people of color to come on and do your panels have those conversations um moderate things you are not committed to diversity inclusion if you are asking people to do this sort of emotional labor for free. There's been more than one instance where people are like, come on in and like, yeah, teach us, teach us how to be anti-racist, teach us how to be um, better people. But then, oh, but we don't have a budget. Well, then are you really committed to diversity and inclusion? Understanding that that there are differences. Like I'm not coming in and talking about, you know, uh, like doing a 15 minute presentation on like new ways to journal or having a 15 minute conversation about like, um, you know, like how to succeed in business. This is like um, the emotional toll that comes with this for people of color is super heavy. So if you are committed to this, like making sure that there's a budget or creating a budget to support these people. I, th I thought you had I thought you no had no 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 I do I do I think uh, you know I think you're calling people out to like put their money where their mouth is right like if you're gonna do it um this is what it looks like on a real level and the thing that really hit me though is this exercise or this research or this experience however you want to label it um this is how I feel for right now, right? Like this is what my truth is because I have seen people get burned by, by speaking out of turn, 
right? They, they lose opportunities. They're all of a sudden, their businesses are impacted by their opinions. And I think that's where I was like, I just need to really know where I stand for myself. And it was more important for me to know and for that to become a foundational belief for myself and my daughter, like as a family, so that we can go out into the world and just be who we are, right? Because mm-hmm. I think when people see me, depending on where they're from and how my makeup is and how my hair looks, I am that person that can kind of just be universally okay with everybody. And I have always loved that. However, how do you use that? Like, what is the opportunity? And when I hear that is, I will never really know if I don't actually hear how you feel about it. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily need to feel it, but I need to hear it so that I can hear where the other opportunities are to sort of like bridge that gap. Mm-hmm. And my hope is that it happens quickly. Cause I know how, you know, I've seen you shift from like one to the other very, very quickly. And, and if we can do that globally, then, you know, my kid has a shot of, of just growing up the way that she is and not having to like be part of that 2.5% people that are going to be more likely or women to be more likely profiled or, you know, somebody had called out that, you know, at 21, she would experience something that she probably wouldn't have if she was more your color. I don't want that to happen for her. And so what do we need to do as a culture and business owners that move money around that money is like the currency of exchange right now? What are we going to do from a responsible perspective to create those spaces? Right. So I don't know what it's going to look like. That's not my job. I, and I will do whatever I can to support what I feel is right in my heart. And right now this is, this is pretty raw and vulnerable. And for the sake of, you know, navigating through the mindfulness so that we can build business so people can get paid right? Like this is what we're, we're about. And this is our truth for the moment. So thank you, Cheryl. I'm so happy that you were just so honest about how that thing was still on your mind. And, and now we've turned it into something really great. And there's like an opportunity to, to, to change, to change, like maybe the next moment for somebody. Yeah. And it's interesting. Um, when you speak about people giving you statistics about, you know, what your daughter's going to go through or what other people of color have gone through, et cetera, et cetera. Because I, I'm also a very big believer and you know, this of the law of attraction, right? So you attract certain experiences to you so you can learn and grow through them. So even though the the statistics are one thing that does not mean that that is going to happen um, to your daughter, but then I also think that it's, it's also about your personal accountability, right? Um, in addition, like, it's also how we feel about the specific situation, right? So if something did happen that would like ordinarily be unwanted, what was the opportunity for growth through that, right? So even like, I, I know, like I spoke about how, you know, somebody accused me of doing something and I ended up back in, uh, in the back of a RCMP cruiser with handcuffs on. Um, and that, like that moment was like, I was like, wait, I didn't do anything. Like, I I don't know really what's going on here. All I know is that if I get in trouble, that's going to be really bad for me. Cause at the time I worked at the bank and at the bank, if you have a criminal record, you can't work there anymore. Right. So I'm at the back of the cruiser bawling my eyes out. Like what is actually going on here? even though there was no evidence that I did whatever this person said that I did, even though, um, even though, um, 
like the people that I were with, which were all white people were like, why are you doing this to her? Even though the people that we had met that night were like, she wasn't even in that same area. Like what is actually happening and what's going on here? And it took that video evidence to be like, oh yeah, no, you were at the complete opposite side. However, if it had not been for that video evidence, that would have been a different story. So having those conversations of like, this is what this means to people of color, like that one person saying something that is a falsity can just completely ruin your life. Because unfortunately right now, certain people have a different, uh, their, their voices mean more than some other people. And that's, I think the biggest opportunity for growth is noticing, like, even, especially as you're starting businesses, like when somebody quotes you and uh, like on something or offers a service, are you seeing them differently because their skin is a different color or their hair is a different color? or their hair is a different like texture, texture, all that sort of stuff. Right. So I think that, that, that's super important. And, um, when, again, relating back to business one more time, (laughs) there's actually this amazing, um, fast company article that got written up about me where I was the only black woman at a tech event and it was a tech pitch event. And just like the conversations that we were having there, um, were just so eye-opening because the people that were judging, you know, when you think of tech, you're thinking of the, the stereotypical archetype of the white male bro type, you know, tech person. However, more and more and more, we're seeing that those people are being trusted with um, like huge quantities of money that continue to fail. However, the fastest growing and the most successful businesses that are happening in North America are those that are run by women and specifically women of color, because we know what it is like to grow and like work hard for things and have a vision and move towards it. And really like what people's mindset is and what the reality is, is two different things. So if you really want to grow your business, if you really want to have money, like let's look at some of the things that are affecting our decision-making so that we can actually all prosper and grow and be the successful people that we really are. Yeah, I'm very excited about it all. You really are, you know, I love that you do read a lot and you're up to just speed on all of this, right? Like, I mean, and thank I, you don't, for- I don't read a lot. This is just my reality. And I think that that's something that's also uh, an opportunity for growth. Right, right. No, I'm very appreciative of, of the last four weeks in specific because of the my understanding now and again my newfound compassion in different areas like I constantly learning constantly learning and shifting and my hope is that people are willing to do the same so that the world will be a different place right yeah I think that's a wrap for us today though (laughs) I really do I'm like it's 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 a lot so is there anything else that you want to add to this whole topic like for those of you who are listening and and you want to have somebody come and speak about this from her perspective um, at the beginning of this she actually claimed like she wants to be a paid speaker this is one of the reasons I, I love working with her is I that she really am a paid speaker girl yes you are a paid speaker I apologize I for that you are a paid speaker 
<laughs> yeah. But if you want to have her come in and really talk at your, you just hit her up. You know how to find her. She's Let's good. have conversations. I always, yeah. and I think that for me, the only thing I want to leave with is that of course, guilt is a unnecessary emotion. It's just a waste of energy. So instead of sitting and being guilt or feeling guilty or centering yourself, think about, okay, well, this is just another obstacle. What can I do to support this change that is so well needed? And then I think another opportunity for growth is just really going into spaces that you haven't been in. Um, University of Alberta, does an amazing, I think it's a six-week course or 13-week course. I apologize. I don't know off the top of my head. However, um, a really about like Indigenous studies, uh, this is actually the only faculty of Indigenous studies in the world, um, as far as I know, or North America. And this course is free. It's free 99. Pop online, do it. Um, Dan Levy or Levy, I apologize if I'm pronouncing his name incorrect, from Schitt's Creek, who's Eugene Levy's son um, actually just finished it and he was just saying how phenomenal it is. So uh, take a look and, and go into different spaces and have conversations and listen um, to the lived experience of these people. Unfortunately, since you know we haven't been in positions of power or positions of money, there hasn't been a lot of studies about racism and the effects um, PTSD, um, how it set us back or how it's set us up for less um, opportunities or income or all these different things, because of course it wasn't of interest or it wasn't led by the people that really cared about, you know, people of color. So the only thing we really have now is people's lived experience. So actually coming with open ears and open hearts. Um, Brene Brown has this amazing thing where she says that people of color have had to live through um, through the, the white lens because the white, white lens has been the ma uh, majority. And then that's how we had to learn how to navigate this world. And then also we're able to put ourselves in the spaces of other, or like the shoes of other people of color because it's just easier. Like we understand it, right? Whether you're an immigrant, whether you're a new person, you know, just navigating a lot of those things. So the opportunity is for people that have not had the opportunity to perceive their life as being different based on their hair color, based on their eye color, based on their ethnicity, based on their sexual preference, based on their gender, um, you know, all these different things. They have this amazing opportunity to just decide to see life a little bit differently. And um, I actually have just come out with this amazing inclusion notebook. It really has some delicious exercises that allow you to see how is your life different or how would it be different if you were like, an indigenous disabled man, or if you were, you know, a, a transgender woman, like what, how do people see you differently? How is your day different? How, would you even be able to have the position you have at your company or with your growth if you were X, Y, and Z? And just, you know, having that level of empathy, compassion, and being able to be an ally for these people is so, so vital for everybody's best interest. So that's it. that's it for me. I feel like that was a delicious way to wrap that up. The power is in your hands. You have the, remember He-Man, She-Ra? Like, you have the power. Like, you have the power <laughs> of Greystone. So use it for good. Always, always. I love it. Thank you for, for sharing on this episode your experiences. 
thank you for allowing me to. I think that this is such an amazing opportunity uh, to have these conversations and then also for it to come across as informational versus it being judgmental, right? So with that, that's today's episode. Let's, we talked about anti-racism, anti-Black racism. We talked about colorism. We talked about all these different things and really how we can support people of color in, in allowing them to have their businesses succeed, their lives succeed in the way that we all wanna succeed. Cause when we all eat, like we all get better. Um, so make sure you tune in to next week because it's going to be some sort of magic. I mean, Jesus, this is always magic here. Um, and I'm always so, so grateful. And I live in the space of gratitude for this space um, because it's allowed me to not only step up my game and be more open and understanding and have more conversations and grow, but it's also allowed me to move through and create more of the magic that I am here to create because we're not here on accident, let's be honest. So with that, my name is Cheryl Sutherland and we'll see you next time. My co-host, Lisa McHale. And uh, yeah, be kind to yourself. And others. <laughs>